Welcome to another episode of TAG Infrastructure Talks. My name is Alan Poole. I'm a corporate partner at Troutman Pepper and currently the vice chair of the TAG Infrastructure Society. Very excited about today's episode. It's our first deep dive into e-mobility with a focus on Georgia. And I have with me today, Virginia Zingewald, uh, the project senior project manager of industrial projects at the Georgia Department of Economic Development. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, thank you for making the time. This is going to be a great episode, and um, we have so much to get into. You have a great track record developing the infrastructure here in Georgia. So why don't we get started with you? Tell us your story and how you came from Germany to South Carolina, now to Georgia. Yes, uh, absolutely happy to. So we're obviously just, just talking about this. Um, I've been with the state of Georgia now for um, a little bit over four years. Um, so used to work in our European office based in Munich, Germany. Um, for everybody's wondering, South Carolina connection is that when I was 15, I actually did high school exchange here in, in South Carolina. And that kind of ultimately got me into um, economic development, just staying in touch with friends there. And then um, eventually getting connected to the Georgia European office and my first job right out of college. Um, work there, start focusing on the electric mobility supply chain and industry, as well as renewable energy, basically because of my educational background and some internships I've done in that, in that area. Um, worked in the European office for a year and a half um, until 2021, and then moved over here just as the uh, state started to really look into electric mobility in more detail and wanted me to be a project manager on this side and help with the overall strategy and just figuring out where we want to go um, go as the state when it comes to those, those industries. So now I'm a senior project manager, um, work with companies that are interested in sitting up setting up new facilities throughout the state, uh, focus a lot on still electric mobility supply chain projects, as well as renewable energy companies. So right now, Georgia is striving to be the e-mobility capital of the country. Um, let's go back to where that really started to happen. Now, this is before, before COVID, before the IIJA or the IRA, and it goes back to, I think, 2018 with an international partnership with South Korea. Can you tell us more about yes, that? Yes, ha happy to. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's a lot of things that have happened in, in Georgia. The electric mobility can really almost be pinpointed to an announcement in November 2018 when SK Innovation announced that they will set up a lithium-ion battery manufacturing facility in Jackson County, so just um, outside of the Metro Atlanta um, region, and they committed to creating 2,000 jobs, investing over 1.6 billion. So, I mean, it's significant investment investment in the electric mobility space for this. Um, yep, to bring this battery production here to to Georgia, but really the the United States. Um, I think the the reason when you look at okay that the partnership, why did they choose Georgia? I think there there are really two components to it. One is really our strength traditionally in the automotive industry and being the really hotbed for the automotive suppliers because of our strategic location when you look at our surrounding states and the um, the automotive OEMs that are located there. But then the other aspect, which is probably, I mean, at least as important, if not even more important, is that cultural connection and um, international connection that we've built with South Korea. So Georgia's had a another international office um, so until we have 12. So the Korea office has actually been there since 1985. Uh, so very long lasting, strong relationship. Kia, obviously in Georgia, long before SK even announced. So really built that relationship. 
And I think that is one of the reasons why, I mean, I know that's one of the reasons why SK ended up choosing Georgia is because they could find a home away from home. They had that cultural connection. They were able to find restaurants that remind them of home and really had some people that obviously moved over here as well come often, I mean, from a leadership perspective to the state. And so they could find all these things they're looking for in addition to just a very business-friendly state, uh, low cost of doing business, and just all these other advantages from a workforce um, educational and just logistical perspective that we have to offer to to companies overall. But I, I really think it was a, a combination of both of those. That's that's so fascinating how deep that connection yeah. goes all the way from culture to business. I had no idea it was so deep, although I've known about the connection to South Korea for years. It's, it's nice to see it take shape in such a tangible way, especially with tangible benefits to um, citizens of our state. Yeah, absolutely. And Korea actually is now the, the country that is committed to the most jobs and um, investment compared to any other country when it comes to foreign direct investment. So it's pretty, pretty fascinating and just great to see how these relationships have, have paid off for, for the state of Georgia and really Georgians um, who are getting all these great, great jobs that they can go work at. So I was interested to get into how Georgia's gotten ahead of the ball on e-mobility. And first of all, would you say that's fair to say? And second of all, I mean, it seems like we've been, it's been a slow burn since the, the Kia days. Are we just building off strengths that um, we already had? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that's fair to say. I think we're really um, ahead when it comes to electric mobility. I mean, just going back real quick to SK, this plant is now up and running. When you look at the all the announcements right now, this is not a facility that's just only been announced or is under construction. It is in production. We're making lithium-ion batteries that are going into electric mobilities that are on, on the streets, um, on the road, So, which is obviously amazing. So that really helped us to kind of jumpstart that, that industry and that growth. But I think what really helped us to then accelerate this industry and the growth of the industry actually started uh, when I was still in our European office. Um, in January 2020, I had the opportunity to be part of a governor's mission to Germany. So Governor Kemp uh, came over to me with a lot of just company leaders, um, especially in the automotive space. So we met with companies like Mercedes-Benz and Porsche. And really one topic that kept coming up was electrification. And I think SK, of course, already showed us that this is imminent, this is happening right now. But if you have a automotive OEM like Mercedes-Benz, I mean, the first um, automobile, uh, automobile was invented by Cobbins in 1886. I mean, you're looking at the company that basically invented the gasoline, the combustion engine vehicle, um, and they're saying electrification is our future. So all of the, everything they've done in the past was based on combustion engine vehicles, and now they're saying electrification is our future. And then shortly after that mission, I mean, you just kept hearing all these goals, and you'd hear years like 2025, 2030, and I mean, we're in 2023, it's not far away. And so coming out of that, that mission, the governor really said, we need to, we need to know what's going on there. Like, we need to make sure that we're we stay ahead because we already have SK, so let's leverage what we've already been doing and figure out how we fit into electrification. And so we have within our department, the Georgia Department of Economic Development, we have the Center of Innovation that um, is focused. Basically, while I work on projects of today, they already look 
at the projects of the future. So at this point, we're one able to leverage what they've already been doing, leverage their connections and their understanding of the energy and electrification um, efforts in the automotive space. But we're then also, another thing we did is we looked at the critical supply chain at that point specifically for batteries. So things like rare earth minerals that you now hear every day, we looked at in 2020. We had a team look into really every step of the supply chain from mining to pro initial processing, anodes, cathodes, um, battery, I mean, cells, then the modules and packs. So really the full supply chain and then all the way to recycling, because um, if you can't mine the <laughs> minerals, you have to get them out of recycling, which today we have a battery recycler that's already creating battery materials here in, in Georgia. So looking at that full supply chain really helped us to understand where can we fit in. And so absolutely think that we are the, the epicenter of the electric mobility um, industry in the not just the Southeast, but the United States, you see the growth that we've been experiencing over the past year. And I think it's really that really early realization by by state leadership, especially by by Governor Camp of saying, hey, this is this is where we're headed. We have an automotive industry that's employing over 55,000 Georgians. We need to make sure that our existing industry can benefit from this shift to electrification, but we're also able to bring more jobs, these jobs of the future to the state of Georgia. So <clears throat> there's a really interesting lesson here, and that is identifying the next big opportunity. Sometimes that seems so hard, but the story that you're telling seems to indicate just focusing on what we're already good at and establishing partnerships with stakeholders to sort of get a whiff of what's coming down the future. And that seems like a huge value add from the from the state as far as the business community is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point is that the stakeholders. So one, one thing that we always talk about is that we have a relationship approach to economic development. And that that is true, really the truth in every aspect of, of what we do. So we've been always been working. It's a little unique when you compare us to other states. So when we work with companies, either um, expanding or considering the state for a new location, we always work with one of our utility partners. Um, there really are so many. I mean, they're they're partners. They're not just. I usually don't use the word stakeholders because they really are partners. We're working with all these all these entities. I mean, our sister agencies and. Um, it's it's been really amazing to see, and so again, we've been to your point, been able to leverage not just the the technical expertise and the advantages and business environment that we've created, but really be able to leverage these partnerships and form new ones that are focused on electric um, mobility. So it's been a really exciting time, and it's been I think that's why we've been so successful because we're all doing it together. There are so many organizations throughout the state of Georgia that are interested in growing the state and want to grow it um, and make it in just the best place to to do business and to work and live. So one of the things we like to do in the infrastructure society is try and paint the whole picture and understand yeah. how things are connected from power to telecom to application. Um, can you describe the ecosystem of different partners or sectors that you are looking at as you try and formulate policy? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it, 
and it might not be so much from the from the policy perspective, but really from a from an ecosystem perspective. I think sure, that's, that's what fair. we're what we're <clears throat> ma- mostly focused on. And I think a a good example is uh, one of the initiatives we had um, in in the past years was the Electric Mobility and Innovation Alliance. Uh, where we brought together all of these partners to look at what you're saying, the the total infrastructure, the entire ecosystem that we're trying to build. So we had our power providers involved because they are obviously, they're not just important when you look at charging infrastructure, but also manufacturing. I mean, all all these battery projects, I mean, you, they, that power demand is very high. And so to have them involved from day one has been critical um, just, I mean, from a grid reliability and stability perspective, um, that so we have that's, I mean, such a big part of this, and so they they've been part of that group. Um, then obviously we're looking at Georgia, the, the Department of Transportation, one of our um, sister agencies. It's been a really strong partner as well when you look at electric mobility and really where the state's going, um, education system, and I mean they come in because. I mean, the number one thing in economic development and electric mobility is workforce. It's not just having the right people, but they need to have the right skill set. And so I think they've been a really critical partner. And it's part of the ecosystem I think sometimes is overlooked because everybody's talking about charging infrastructure, manufacturing, all those things. But it's really the education because we can build all these factories if we don't have people can actually build the vehicles, the batteries, the components we're not doing anything in those plants. And so I think our educational partner have been a really crucial part in, in making electrification really happen and helping us to grow our our jobs and investment in the state. So from higher education, just to highlight, obviously our two flagship universities, the University of Georgia and Georgia Tech, they're doing so much work when it comes to electric mobility to make sure they're teaching these young young students and um, the right skill set and they're prepared for these jobs that we're bringing to to the state and we're really in a constant dialogue with them to make sure they understand what the needs are we bring companies in have have them meet with um, with those educational institutions and then same goes for our technical colleges throughout the state I mean they already do such a great job in talking to our companies and making sure they're upskilling and reskilling as needed but also have the right curriculum for all these new companies coming to the state so so again, yes. So from a like infrastructure perspective, I think there are a lot of components, and this again, this alliance brought a lot of these partners together from private industry to public organizations, um, nonprofits to really talk about the ecosystem and where does the state want to go. And coming out of that, a lot of these people, a lot of these organizations are still talking and trying to find synergies and making sure that they can help grow the the state's electric mobility ecosystem. So so. Tell us the sort of typical life cycle of a major project and what are some of the tools you have in the toolbox to make that go more yeah. smoothly? Absolutely. It's, it's always funny that the typical life cycle, unfortunately, doesn't exist. Uh. I, I wish they were all the same, but that's, it's, that would every, be no fun. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, every every project's so different. But I mean, the, the way it works is, I mean, we'll sit down with either the company um, or the their consultant. Sometimes we don't even know who the company is. I think Hyundai Motor Group, we haven't even talked about them yet, but great example, didn't even know who it was for, for the probably first month or so. Oh, wow. Um, so we get these projects. Sometimes we know who it is, sometimes we don't, and really try to understand what their what their needs are. So from obviously the, the hard facts, acreage, 
workforce numbers? Um, do they need to be close to the port? Do they need to be on an interstate? All those things. So we really try to understand what they're looking for. And then we, we go out and um, go to our communities, um, which is uh, a lot of work, but we're really the state is the single source, single point of contact uh, together with the utility partner because there are 159 counties. There's uh, no way we're going to have to or want the company ha- try to navigate through all those counties. So we really help them navigate through all of that um, and have them understand what's available to them, get them connected to our local regional partners um, and make sure they have every everything they need to really make it a good educated selection when it comes to a site and a community because we're we're focused on long-term growth we always tell tell companies we're we're not here for just the the quick announcement we're here to help you be successful once you locate your georgia company it doesn't mean doesn't matter where your global headquarters are located and so once you're here your georgia company will help you grow we have a uh, regional project management team that stays with the with the company for as long as they're in Georgia, hopefully forever. Mm. Um, but that's kind of like the process. So we'll do the site selection, get them connected to the local partners, help them understand what kind of incentives are in place, help them understand the cost of doing business, and just all these advantages that they um, that they have if they locate here in Georgia. And um, when it comes to tools. Um, I think what what we really focus on are are a handful of factors. Um, One is connectivity. Um, Our access to market is is one of the main drivers for companies to locate here. We have, um, I mean, obviously we're located on the East Coast and the Southeast, fastest growing growing region, but because of the size of Georgia, we actually go so far uh, west that we have that really that market access. If you look at Atlanta and go straight up, you hit Detroit. So, I mean, if you think about that, we really are already very much inland for being an East Coast state. So connectivity, access to market is a, a main driver. Our I mean, Atlanta Airport, obviously, um, the the most traveled airport in the world um, has been a great asset, as well as the the port uh, down in Savannah. Um, in addition to that workforce, um, I touched mentioned briefly earlier, Georgia Quick Start has been one of our tools that I think we really utilize the most and has, I mean, we, we're definitely keeping them busy and they've been such a great asset. This, again, the number one workforce training program in the nation has been around since the 60s. So it's a very mature, very established program that is um, basically coming in and is helping eligible companies in their workforce needs when it comes to training. So they offer customized training to these companies that locate and grow in the in the state of Georgia, and so that's a there's such a great great tool and asset that we have to to offer. Really sets us aside. What a lot of states have workforce training programs there, and companies would agree with this, and consultants do too. That none of them are like Georgia Quick Start. Wow. It really is a very unique program. Um, in addition to that, obviously there are always some sort of, of incentives, but I think it's really the, the business, business friendly environment that we've created here and the stability of our state government. If you really, if you look at the history, one thing that's always been the same is that we've been the business friendly state. And I think that sets us aside as well. When companies look at Georgia, they know that not just today, but 20, 30, 50 years from now, our goal will be to have them be successful because we understand that if we bring good companies, we have good employers, that means our people are happy and they move, they stay here, they get a job where they're from, which I mean, I think ideally everybody loves uh, living where they're from, or at least most of the times. And 
uh, I think that's what we're able to do with with these tool sets that we or those tools that we have um, available. But I think those are really the the most critical points: is the connectivity, it's workforce and workforce training, um, and then just the overall business and friendly environment, which obviously includes low cost of doing business um, and the support that we get from a lot of our um, other agencies. I mean. The uh, EPD, for example, when it comes to permitting, I mean, they're just such a great partner. We, every agency has somebody we can reach out to from economic development directly and know they're there to help us. Um, and so it's that partnership approach, again, that, that sets us aside and helps us locate these projects. What are some of the big challenges to try and uh, get even further along down the road than we are now? Um, I would say, and I know I've talked about a little bit workforce, and I think if you talk to anyone in this in this space and like economic development, not just in Georgia, but the really the U.S., I mean, it's a it's a nationwide challenge. It's honestly a global challenge is finding the right people, making sure the right skill sets are um, are being taught. So I think that that's the, the main challenge that I see for us moving moving forward. But that being said, I think we're already I mean, again, Georgia's doing a great job staying ahead of these challenges, being able to identify them early enough so we have time to address them before they become issues, so they just stay a challenge. Um, when you look at our population, we're, we're continuously growing. Uh, we're, again, Southeast is the fastest growing region in the U.S., and when you look at Georgia specifically, we are outgrowing or outpacing the Southeast when it comes to our population growth. So we have the people, our population is grow, growing faster than our job or number of jobs are um, growing, so we have that that gap there where we can attract more companies. But then it comes to to training. So how do we make sure these people have the right skill sets? So again, it comes back to I know I've been saying the word partnerships um, a lot, but it comes back to these partnerships with our technical colleges. Looking at, um, I mean, electricians. You, I mean, that's a skill set. Oh, that you one's need huge right now. So <laughs> there's so not a, much. There's nowhere near enough right now. I mean, now. absolutely. And then it's it, it's not just general electricians. They need to be able to work with a charging station uh -huh. that is. I mean, a high-tech computer. So it's not just the, the electrical parts, but it's also the software. So teaching those skill sets is, is really tough. And it's something that we've been working on a lot. And again, luckily, our technical colleges really formed their curriculum based on industry needs. Um, so that that hopefully will, will help us moving forward. Same thing with our universities. I mean, they, they know what skill sets we need for this industry. They're talking to um, to these companies to find out what is the exact skill set, what do we need to teach um, these, not just, I mean, young people, but also professionals who've been working on, um, I mean, combustion engine vehicles, which are obviously very different from an electric vehicle. So I think that's that will be the, the main challenge, but I think we're addressing it. We actually, I don't know if you're aware, just uh, Governor Kemp just announced the, um, the METCH program, which will now send letters to high school students all throughout the state telling their, their eligibility for technical colleges and universities. And I think that'll make such a big difference for these kids. I mean, just imagine, not just in the cities, but really the rural parts to be in 11th grade and get this letter saying, you can get into all wow. these technical colleges, you can get into all these universities uh, in the state of Georgia. I just think that is such a great motivation to realize these these educate these schools want you as a K 
kid. Like you might think people don't care about you, but they do. Like they want you to come and study at these technical colleges, at these universities. And I think that will really help us keep this young talent and these, I mean, really young people who want to work and be in the workforce here in Georgia and train and educate them here so they can work at our companies. I, I did not know about it's that. It's fantastic. That, that is such a subtle but potentially effective move yes. just to send a letter, say, you know, I mean, a lot of development sometimes is just turning over all the stones and making sure yeah. you're, you're picking yeah, up you everything know. that you can. Um, you know, one more thing about workforce. I mean, how able is our Quick Start program to to get people trained up fast enough for the demand right now? Yeah. The good thing about Quick Start is that they come in even before that facility is up and running. Mm -hmm. They will train the workforce during the construction period. They will basically like replicate what the manufacturing floor will, will look like and help them train or help the company train people on the um, on the equipment, on these workstations. So the day one they open the facility, they don't see that machine for the first time. They know what they need to do and they understand the process. So absolutely capable. Um, and because of this approach, training ahead of having the facility up and running, you really have a lot of time because, I mean, building these facilities take, takes a couple of years usually. <clears throat> um, and so it's, it's really impressive. I mean, they're already, um, I mean, they're working with all these companies already. I mean, Kia has been utilizing them from the beginning and now they're utilizing them for electrification. And, and they've really been able to, to help Kia and then have been, because of that success there, um, and I always tell the stories that, Kia utilized Georgia Quick Start. And when they built that first Kia here in West Point, it started. And they said that usually doesn't happen. Huh. It never happened because it usually says wow. there's always something wrong with the vehicle, with the number one vehicle that rolls off the line. And so that ultimately helped us also attract the, the Hyundai Motor Group and their meta plant down in Savannah because they knew they can get the workforce trained fast enough to build this facility and stay ahead of all these very ambitious goals when it comes to electrification and make sure because for these OEMs, it's about market share. You have to make these vehicles to secure your market share and sell enough vehicles to be profitable in that um, in that specific industry in the future. So one other challenge I want to talk to you before we mm -hmm. kind of start wrapping up. Um, adoption is a concern with any emerging technology, but you know, that's no stranger to the mobility world. Is there anything that the state of Georgia is doing to try and alleviate concerns with consumer adoption, or is that not, not a big problem here, or what do you think? So, I mean, I think we've seen a very steady increase in vehicle registrations. I think at, at this point, we're looking at over 70,000 registered electric vehicles in the state of Georgia. So really seeing that like mature, like that market growth, a very sustainable and organic market growth, which I believe is very important because you need to make sure those vehicles, uh, it makes sense to drive electric vehicles. Um, I think it, there are a lot of partnerships that are helping adoption. I, uh, Rivian, for example, installing their chargers in state parks. Um, I think that will really help people be like, oh, I can go on a day trip with my family to, to a state park and charge my electric vehicle there. Um, but I think it's a lot of local partnerships as well, really helping, ed again, educate people um, on figuring out, do you have the right application for an electric vehicle? Um, it's Probably not for everyone yet because it's still a very new and emerging technology. Um, but I do think it's again comes down to education, and I think there are a lot of local partnerships that 
um, and just local leaders that are looking into charging infrastructure, making making electric vehicles more more accessible. And so I think again, it's like most industries in Georgia, it's a very organic growth because um, that's what you need to make sure it's a long term and really viable and strong industry. So let's look to the future. Um, where do you think we'll be in the next five years? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of new technologies in five to 10 years. Um, and I think we'll see a lot of the startups that are coming out of Georgia and that are locating here, we'll see them grow. And I think we'll see them mature into really larger, larger corporations. Um, not just, again, not just the ones that are growing out of our universities and out of our startup ecosystem, but also some international ones, just to name Heliox, for example, a charging company. I think we'll see really strong growth there. Um, but I also think that we'll see, and that's something that Georgia has always been very strong in diversity in industry. Um, we're not just diverse when it comes to our overall industry. So looking at automotive, um, looking into, um, I mean, I mean, automotive, agriculture, um, logistics, um, life sciences, fintech. I mean, there's so many industries here that have helped us be successful over the years. And I think we'll see a similar di diversification within the electric mobility sector. So that comes when you talk, when you say electric vehicles, people usually think battery electric, but it's more than batteries. It's electric. Electric is also fuel cells. So you have fuel cells, you have hybrids, there's so many um, applications. And I think we'll we'll see all of those grow in Georgia. And, and then with batteries, for example, I'll, I think we have lithium ion, but I think we'll see a lot of other cell chemistries being applied as those uh, technologies grow and become and um, start reaching commercial, um, commercial scales. Um, I mean, if you just look at um, they're not just lithium iron, but lithium iron batteries that are used for battery storage applications. Uh, you have solid state batteries that are now, I mean, really that technology is starting to uh, become more and more um, talked about. So I'm assuming it will happen um, at one point, um, but it's, I think we'll see that. So I think we'll see a lot of different um, battery, um, yeah, battery cell um, chemistries and applications, but I also think that we'll see a lot more hydrogen, uh, a lot more fuel cell. Uh, we're already starting to see that here in Georgia. And it's, it's funny, I actually listened to a podcast the other day that was quoting somebody that was saying hydrogen is not the future, it's already here today. Um, and we see that in Georgia too. It's already used in industrial applications, actually um, in power generation as well. Um, we're already, again, a forerunner there that a lot of people d just don't know about. But then we have plug power down on the coast uh, making green, green hydrogen there. Um, Hyundai and Georgia, Hyundai Motor Group and Georgia Tech just announced their partnership with a focus on hydrogen. So I think we'll see a lot of growth in that field as well. And I think, uh, I guess a lot of times people are like, oh, it's either or, but it's, it's definitely not either or. And I think most industry um, experts will agree with that. It's they'll go hand in hand because you'll always have applications where batteries make a lot of sense. We'll have applications where fuel cells and hydrogen make a lot of sense. And not just in commercial application or commercial vehicles, but also passenger uh, vehicles. If you, I mean, if you really think of any vehicle that shouldn't be too heavy, you'll probably would want hydrogen because batteries, if you need the longer range, are make the vehicle heavier. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you'll see that. And I, 
I like to say that if you look at gasoline and diesel, that already coexists. And I think a lot of the diesel applications are just really long haul. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those end up being fuel cell and hydrogen mm. electric vehicles. And then the gasoline is probably going to be a lot of battery electric. But again, I also think that there are some, if you look at utility vehicles, when they have to tow things or they have to carry these cables, like that's already really heavy. So you probably don't want to have a battery on that truck. You probably want to have something a little lighter. Um, so yeah, so I think all of that will go hand in hand here here in Georgia. And I also think that we'll probably always have some um, internal combustion engine vehicle applications. Uh, I think that percentage will shrink over time, but I think it'll always be there too. Just how originally, if you look 15 years ago, you had already a few of electrical or electric vehicle applications, forklifts, golf carts, things like that, where it already made sense. I think that will switch and then you'll see batteries and fuel cells coexist. Yeah, I think one thing we've learned developing things like alternative energy, alternative mm -hmm. resources, is you can't put everything in one basket. You're going to have unintended side effects, you know, all over the place. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of really good lessons from this conversation, and I really look forward to using them in, you know, my own job, which isn't exactly the same as yours. But um, any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one really one key key thing when it comes to electric mobility in, in Georgia. I think what has made us such a such a leader is the really look is that focus on the future, that we've always looked into what is the next thing? How can we make sure that we can pave the way for companies? So how can we make sure we don't put any roadblocks in that prevent their their organic growth, their success in any industry that they're in? And really I think that's kind of my, my overall thought and why, we, why we've been so successful in this industry and why companies choose Georgia, um, especially for electric mobility. It's been, I mean, probably our fastest growing um, industry when it comes to recent um, investment. Um, we talked about this earlier. I mean, we're looking at over 31,000 jobs that have been announced in the past five years uh, with over $26 billion in investment. I think we'll, we'll see that grow even more because of these partnerships and because of the, the focus on making sure Georgia companies are successful and adding companies to, to our Georgia family. Well, uh, on, on behalf of TAG, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, I think our listeners will get a lot out of this. And uh, if ever TAG can do anything to help your cause, I hope that you'll uh, reach out. Awesome. I will. Thank you so much. This has been great. Absolutely. Well, we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know that I did. I got a lot out of it. And um, please stay connected with us on LinkedIn. Follow both the Tech Association of Georgia and Troutman Pepper. And you can subscribe to our podcast on your podcast listening channel of choice. We look forward to you joining us next time. Copyright Troutman Pepper Hamilton Sanders LLP. These recorded materials are designed for educational purposes only. This podcast is not legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual participants. Troutman Pepper does not make any representations or warranties, express or implied, regarding the contents of this podcast. Information on previous case results does not guarantee a similar future result. Users of this podcast may save and use the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including, without limitation, reproduction, retransmission or editing of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission of Troutman Pepper. If you have any questions, please contact us at Troutman.com.